and how well you can hear me. And if it's not working, then we'll just we'll just grab that and we'll just we'll just move around. Amen. Uh, I have a hard time. I, I just I, I have a hard time standing still when I preach. I get excited. I don't know if you like my preaching, but I do. <laughs> Amen. I, I just. <laughs> I, I love good preaching. I think I've shared it with you before. I love good preaching, and there ain't no preaching like my preaching. I just, I just, I enjoy preaching the Word of God. Um, you got your Bibles. Turn to Luke. Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1 this morning. If you saw in your bulletin, the title of the message this morning is How to Survive a Miracle. How to Survive a Miracle. And we're going to look at, uh, we're going to look at the first lady of Christmas. We're going to look at the first lady of Christmas. We're going to look at the story of Mary, the message that was given to her. And, uh, and think about a couple of things this morning. So I'm going to read uh, somewhat of a lengthy passage because we're going to read. Uh, we're going to start reading in verse 26 of Luke chapter 1. And then I'm going to read all the way down to uh, verse, probably about verse 55. Uh, so we're going to read, we're going to comment, we're going to point out some things. Then we're going to get the message. The message will be fairly short. Uh, just uh, just want to make sure we really understand this story. Now is everybody hearing me Okay. Doing good? Do I need to grab the mic? We good? I know every time I turn over here, we'll make sure. Okay, now's your chance. If you can't hear me, raise your hand. Okay. All right, see, so, all right, amen. Some of you caught that. All right. I had a preacher say one time, uh, for all those, some, some, you know, for, for all those within the sound of my voice, raise your hand. If you're not within the sound of my voice, move closer. Uh, so, uh, amen. That's for the back row Baptists. But anyways, um, Luke chapter 1, y'all there, amen? Y'all awake, amen? Everybody ready for Christmas, amen? I love this time of year. Let's look at Luke chapter 1, verse 26. It says that in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. So I want you to understand what happens here. The angel's appeared and he's given a very grand introduction, hail thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. And she doesn't know how to respond to that. She was troubled at his saying, highly favored, and, and the Lord is with you, and blessed art thou among women. And this is a young girl who's not even married yet. She's engaged to be married, but she's not actually married yet. Uh, and, and, and she's getting this appearance and this message from what seems to be an angel of the Lord that God has blessed her among all women. And so she, she's troubled at this, and she casts in her mind. The King James says she cast in her mind what manner of salutation that should be. And, and the literal phrasing there in the Greek means that she's, she's having a dialogue with herself. She's, she's in her mind, there's questions, and she's going, what is this? She's talking to herself. She doesn't say anything out loud. But she's received this message, and she's, she doesn't know how to respond, but in her mind, she's, she's talking. You ever done that? You ever talked to yourself? Uh, you know, everybody says, it's okay to talk to yourself. You only get worried when, you, when the voices talk back. Amen. But, uh, but she's talking to herself. And, and, and she's having this conversation. And we've all done that. We've had somebody say something. And in our minds, the, the wheels are turning. And that's what's happening here. She's having a dialogue with herself. And she's troubled at her saying. And I want to go ahead and say this. The man is always going to be troubled 
by the logic of God. Man is always going to be troubled. When God speaks, it's, it's always, it, our response too, too often when God speaks is we, we have a quick answer. We want to kind of talk back to God like, like we're, we're a little too familiar with him sometimes. The, the opposite of that is when we don't know what to say. But the reality is anytime God speaks, he's speaking on his level to us on our level, and, and it's troubling. We might think we understand, but the reality is we, we never fully understand what God is saying or doing. And we won't in this lifetime. Amen? And so she's troubled. She doesn't say anything. So look at what, look what happens in verse 30. He simplifies the message. The angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Okay, just took it out of the blessed art thou, highly favored, you have found favor with you. He, he simplifies it. Fear not. Takes the trouble out of her mind. He knows what's going on. She hasn't responded to him. You ever talk to someone, you've asked them a question, they're staring at you with a blank look on their face, the wheels are, you may crunch their eyes, the wheels are turning, you know, and so you have to kind of carry on the conversation. That's what the angel does here. He says, fear not, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you shall conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Now, he went from this grand introduction, which confused her, to the simple introduction, fear not, you found favor with God. Uh, and, 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 uh, and, and then he goes and he gives this lengthy, just says, blessed are you among women. And, and then he gives this, this, uh, this lengthy explanation of what's going to happen. You're going to conceive, you're going to bear a child. This child is going to be the promised one who will sit on David's throne. Now, Mary, like most good Israelites, knew, if not all of Scripture and, and all of the Bible at that time, she knew these stories. And there was no doubt what he's telling her at this point. The only concern she has, in verse 34, then Mary says unto the angel, at this point she responds, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? I'm, I'm a virgin. I'm not married. It's everything that word means. It's all of the purity that is implied in this passage that she is innocent and just. And he's, she's being told she's going to conceive and have a baby and being told, in fact, that God is going to do this amazing thing. And she says, but I'm not even married yet. I'm not fully married yet. I'm, I'm just in the betrothal stage. And, and then in verse 35, the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also... That holy child which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. Don't, don't misunderstand that. She was called barren. He's not, the angel's not just saying, hey, you know your cousin Elizabeth who's up in years and hasn't had a child? She was actually called that. When, when people saw her, they said, there goes Baron Elizabeth. There goes the, the wife of Zacharias, and who has, they have no children. There goes the barren woman. That was back in the day when, when children were viewed much differently 2,000 years ago than they are today. And, and whereas today, you know, you, people wonder why you would have one child, let alone two or three or six, or as one family we know, 11 children, and another family that has nine, and most beautiful, wonderful families you could know. Back in this day, if, if you didn't have one child, or if you, even if you only had one child, they asked what was wrong, but if you had no children, it was a stigma, and she was called barren, but 
lo and behold, she also is now going to give birth. And if you know that story, we'll talk about that in a minute. So the angel says, God has done this in her life, and now he's going to do something in your life. And it's still a different story because Elizabeth was married, but Mary was not. But then, oh, look at verse 37. For with God, only some things are impossible. Oh, yeah, amen. Yeah, you know it. For with God, nothing, nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zechariah and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And, and whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of your salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. I love the fact that when she meets Elizabeth, you know Elizabeth was the one chosen, the message that, if you know the story that was given to Zacharias, you, 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 she's going to conceive, you're going to have a son, he's going to be the forerunner of Christ. This would be John the Baptist. This would be the one who would proclaim, uh, prepare your hearts, make a place in the desert, prepare, prepare the way for the Lord, and he's the one that's going to announce the coming of Jesus. And I love the fact that when, when Mary shows up, pregnant with child, that nobody knows about, Elizabeth, six months pregnant, the baby forming in her womb, who's able to move and feel the baby moving and kicking. When Mary walks into the room, John the Baptist, who would be the forerunner of Christ, is already running in Elizabeth's womb. <laughs> I mean, he's already leaping for joy. He's already ready to get. It's like, it's like he can't wait to get out and tell the message. And Elizabeth knows this, and, and she's, she grabs, and, and if you've seen the movie, The Nativity, I love the movie, The Nativity, where she sees her, and it reflects that. She sees Mary, and the first thing she does, she goes, oh, and she grabs her belly. And then she runs over, and she makes this statement, puts her hand on Mary's stomach, and she makes the statement we read here, who am I that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And Mary said, verse 46, my soul doth magnify the Lord. And my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty has done to me great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He has showed strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He took those that were up here and he put them down here. He took those that were down here and he lifted them up here. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spake to our fathers. As he spoke to our fathers, now he is speaking again. To Abraham and to his seed forever. And Mary abode with her about three months and then returned to her own house and that's where we'll stop this morning as he spoke to our fathers the anticipation the preparation the setting of the stage after everything has happened and all this is going through Mary's mind in her life she reaches a point at the end here where she she remembers 
and she realizes who she is, that God is now speaking to her the way he spoke to the fathers of Israel. And, and if you know your history, and we need to remember this, this is important. We talked about this, that, that it's been some 400 years since Israel has had a prophet and a leader to speak on behalf of God. And now the angel, and now after 400 years of silence, there's a rumor. Angels are beginning to appear. Angels are appearing and speaking to Mary. And in just a few months, when, when the baby is born, angels are going to appear. And they're going to talk to the shepherds. And there's going to be a star in the sky. And it's going to draw the wise men to Jerusalem and to Bethlehem. All of a sudden, after 400 years of silence, God is starting to speak to his people again. That's exciting. Amen? You ever, you ever gone through that season in your life where you felt like God wasn't speaking to you? And, then, and, and, and you're starting to wonder, and maybe as time passes, the reality is he's always speaking to us, but sometimes the, the voice of this world and, and the situation of life sort of crowds that out, and we, we begin to forget or we just stop hearing him. And, and, but then there's those times when God begins to stir in your heart, and he begins to move, and you begin to hear the voice of God speaking. It happens in the life of us as individuals. It happens in the life of a church. It happens in the life of a congregation, a denomination, a family. It's an amazing thing when God begins to speak to his people again in a very real and powerful way. And you, and you know, you know that just as, just as he spoke to those who've come before us, now he's speaking to us. That's exciting, amen? Uh, it's not in my, this, is all, this is not what I have written down. This is not my sermon at all. I'm going a totally different direction. I'm just following the Spirit, amen? Have you ever, do you, do you feel it? Do you sense it? Do you, do, you, do, you, do you get the understanding that, and do you know and I've said this, and I'm going to keep saying this until God brings the man that he has appointed to be the shepherd of this flock, and we're moving towards that, going this do, do you realize that God is speaking in a fresh and new and powerful way, that this time of transition is not a time for, for doubt and discouragement, but a time for excitement because God is on the move in the ministry of First Baptist Church of Mableton? And that God is still speaking? And he's going to speak in a fresh and new and exciting way. And there's a work to be done. And, and, and God's going to do something that we can't even begin to imagine. And it's going to be miraculous. And it ought to scare us as much as it scared Mary. It ought to scare you just a little bit. Amen. But, but it ought to excite us. And, and, and I want you to know this because it's the title of my message. God wants to do a miraculous thing here. And you can survive it. Amen. You just got to remember a couple things. So let's look at that. i got two things I want to share with you. And then I'll share three things after that. And then two things after that. But, but not, not much, really. Just <laughs> It'll go much faster than it sounds. Two things I want to share, that this, and this is important. Number one, just by way of introduction, which ties into the next three things. If you want to survive a miracle, I want to give you these two principles as we go into this. The first thing you need to do is you need to take God at his word. You need to take God at his word. What do, I, what do I mean by that? When God says he's going to do something, don't doubt him. I can't do it. I can't stand still. <laughs> when God says he's going to do something in your life, when God is saying something to you, don't doubt God. Take him at his word. See, this story is a little bit different than the story of Elizabeth and Zacharias for a couple of reasons. If you remember when the angel appeared to Zacharias, when he goes in to make the, the sacrifice, and he goes in and the angel appears to him and says that you're going you know, to conceive, you're going to have a child. And, 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 and Zacharias asks the question, said, how is this going to be? 
Zacharias was married. He had a wife. He's a priest, a leader of Israel. He knows where babies come from. It was a dumb question. Amen? See, he asked the question, how is this going to be? And the angel says, because you doubted God, because you need to ask that question, Zechariah, a priest, a leader of Israel, who should have known his Bible, who should have known the story of Sarah and Abraham, how when they were older in years, God made the promise to Abraham, and then when the time was appointed, Sarah conceived and gave birth to Isaac. He should have known the story of Hannah, how Hannah prayed for a son and God touched her and she gave birth to a son who would become Samuel, one of the greatest prophets in all of Israel. He should have known God has done this in the past. He's perfectly capable of doing it again. But he doubted God and God said, for that reason, the angel said, for that reason, you will be unable to speak until the baby is born. See, we have, we have, we have definitions. Someone, if someone can't hear... If someone doesn't hear, we say they're deaf. If someone can't speak, we say they're dumb. And Zechariah, because he didn't hear, the angel made him dumb. (laughs) You see, I'm going to say it. See, some of the dumbest things we do is when we don't hear, when we don't listen to God. And there's a beautiful spiritual picture there. The angel says, I'm going to take away your ability to speak. You're going to ask a dumb question. You're not going to speak again until the baby's born. He should have known better. But Mary, Mary, Mary's a virgin. Mary, everything about this, she she asked the question, how will this be? The angel doesn't rebuke her because she asked a legitimate question. How is this going to be? And the angel says very simply, God is going to work a miracle in your life. And when the story is done, Mary says, let it be as the Lord has said. She didn't argue with him. She asked the right question. She got the answer. And then she accepted what God had chosen for her. Wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't our lives be a lot simpler if we just accepted what God said to us and what he wants to do in our life? Amen? Instead of arguing with him, trying to figure it out, all right, God, if 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 that's what you said. See, number one, we need to take him at his word. Number two... We need to surround ourselves with the miraculous. If you want to survive a miracle, not only do we need to take God at his word, but we need to surround ourselves with other people who are taking God at his word and experiencing the miraculous. You need to realize that you are never alone. You are never alone. When God, if God says he wants to do something in your life, you're not the only one that he wants to do something with. He's speaking to other people. And if he says he wants to do something in your life, he's got other people in your life that he will help to carry that out. Mary just received news that's going to be devastating. And this is not an easy story. This story is so difficult. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. This story is so difficult. You, you, she's, she's an unmarried girl who's now pregnant by the word of God. How, how is she going to explain that? And, and if you know the rest of the scriptures and the rest of the stories, you've read in Matthew and the different places when she goes and she tells people it's an angel of the Lord and they don't believe her. And if you've seen the movies and the nativity does a great job with her parents trying to say, you know, something else happened. They're trying to love their daughter. But if, it's a strange thing to me that the Bible is so silent about Mary's parents. You know, you know who the Bible magnifies? The Bible magnifies the people in her life who supported her. Joseph, who was ready to put her away until an angel appeared and told him, and then he received her. And now Elizabeth. She goes to Elizabeth. You want to survive a miracle? You need to surround yourself with people who are also believing in miracles. 
we need to quit hanging around with people who are telling us that God's dead. Or, or the ones that aren't bold enough to say that's what they think, but they're living like he is. They're quiet. You know what I'm talking about? You're excited. You believe in God. And, and, and you man, this is great. God's going to do something great. And then you go, you talk to that one person, and they start talking about how God can't do that. God's not. I understand that we get that in the world. I understand that if I go out there and I try and tell an atheist how excited I am about God, he's, he's not going to fall. Oh, well, I'm happy for you. But what's discouraging to me is when I get excited about what God's doing and I'm talking to somebody in the church, and it's worse than talking to an atheist. Amen? See, we need to take God at his word, and we need to surround ourselves with the miraculous. So those are the two things I want to lay the foundation for. So three things. How do you survive a miracle? Three things. I'm going to give you three things. This is how you survive a miracle, just like Mary. All right, everybody with me? Say amen. All right, number one, you need to consider her favor. We need to consider her favor. What do I mean by that? Consider the fact that she did not choose God. God chose her. You need to understand, if you're going to survive a miracle, if you're going to be the Christian God wants you to be, if he's going to do something great and dynamic in your life, you need to realize God chose you. He chose you for a reason. He knows everything about you. He knows your strengths. He knows your weaknesses. He knows how young you are. He knows how old you are. He knows your situation, whether you're married, whether you're single. He knows everything about you that he needs to know. Amen. And if he's chosen you, he's put his favor on you, you need to consider the fact that if God has chosen you, that that is a privilege that so many people in this world today don't even see recognize or want I, I, I tell people all the time I, I, I'm amazed I was thinking this week I'm amazed that God called me to be a preacher I shared this with you a couple weeks ago of all the people who shouldn't be a preacher I'm at the top of the list Paul said when Paul wrote and he said and he talked about all of his past and his history and he talked about sinners and Jesus came to forgive sinners and he said but I am the chiefest of sinners I'm the worst I persecuted the church I put to death the body of Christ and now all of a sudden I'm this preacher that everybody's looking to, and he writes most of the New Testament for us. If there's anybody, Paul said, that shouldn't be a preacher, Paul says it's him. And there's days when I feel that way. But it doesn't have anything to do with who we think we are. It has everything to do with who God says who we are and what Christ makes possible in your life and mine. It's what Jesus has done. He changes us. That's the whole point of the gospel in the Christmas season. You don't have to be the same person that you were yesterday. Jesus can make us and will make us all better people for the glory of God. Amen. You have been highly favored. Jesus died for you. He died for me. He died for the people that aren't in church this morning. People in Mableton, Cobb County, Paulding County, Douglas County, Hiram, all around us to the ends of the earth. Highly favored. Not because of anything we've done or who we are, but because of who God is. You want to survive a miracle, the first thing you need to do is consider your favor. Realize that, that God has chosen you. Number two, you need to consider your friends and your family. Consider your friends and your family. When Mary, was, when Mary received this message, the angel didn't just tell her, you're, you're, you're going to have a baby. Now go deal with it. He said, oh, by the way, your cousin Elizabeth has also been touched by God, and she's going to give birth. The one who was called barren. And, and I think Mary, as young as she was, and we don't know how young she was. I'm, I'm of the school. I, I believe that based on the way marriage was done back in this day, that she was much younger. Joseph was much older, that she was probably still a teenage girl. 
But she knew those Bible stories. And when she hears the story about Elizabeth being called barren, I know in her mind, in Mary's mind, that, that, that she, she remembered the story of Sarah and Abraham and, and Hannah and other stories in the Old Testament where God blessed them, blessed with women with, 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 with children that didn't have them, and she understood. See, the angel didn't just tell her, you're going to have a baby. He said, your cousin's having a baby. Here, here's what Mary found out. Mary found out with a message that God was going to do something in her life that she's not alone in this world. And I've already said that, and I'll say it again. You are not alone. The fact, look, look around the room. The fact that we're all here together on a Sunday morning worshiping God. Amen? We are not alone. God wants to do something in your life, in my life, the life of the person sitting beside you. You look around this room, and we are surrounded this morning by brothers and sisters in Christ. We are family. We are family. Amen? That's not just a song by the Pointer Sisters. Amen? That's what we are. We are family. You are not alone. God wants to do something in your life. He doesn't care if you're white, black, young, old, rich, poor. Doesn't care. Amen? You've been favored by God, and I promise you, I promise you, if God wants to do something great in your life, if God has a plan for you, and he does, he has put people in your life who will encourage you and help you carry out that plan. You are not alone. Consider your friends and your family. You know what you need to know? You know what I need to know? You know what we need to know in the church? We just need to know where to go to talk to that person that's going to be the encouragement. And we need to stay away from the person who's going to be the discouragement. Amen? Now, we have to love each other. That's in the Bible. That's commanded. Amen? We have to love each other. We have to love that person that you know. When you see them coming, when you see them coming, you're trying to figure out how fast you can get away and hope they didn't see you. Amen? Everybody, everybody in this room. And you know, you know you see some, and you know there's that person that's coming, and when you see them coming, you're thinking, man, I, I don't want to have a conversation with this morning. My day's already not going well. If I talk to this person, it's going to get worse. And unfortunately, because we listen to the world more than we listen to the world, that comes into the church. Amen. Oh, but you know what you know this morning? You know, you know when you walk into this church, the people that when you see them, you hope they come your way. In fact, you go out of your way to get in their way. Amen? You know the people in this church who are going to be the ones who are going to speak words of encouragement. So that's why I said, not only do you need to take God at his word, but you need to surround yourself with the miraculous. I wrote this in my Bible. <laughs> surround yourself with those that bear the seed of the supernatural. We'll let that one sink in. Elizabeth, Mary, both bearing the seed of the supernatural. God wants to do something great in your life, beloved. Get around those people who also know and believe that God wants to do something great in their life. You want to survive a miracle? Number one, don't try and go through it alone. You can't. Amen? So number two, find that person like you, that believes that God is still powerful, still on the throne, and wants to do a great and mighty work, and surround yourself with people who believe. Amen? Number one, consider her favor. Number two, consider her friends and family. Number three, <clears throat> consider her faith. Consider her faith. Now, we've talked about this a little bit. It's kind of the same thing, but it's not. 
Because when the story's all done, first her favor, the angel chose her. She didn't, the angel said, God's chosen you. She didn't choose God. God chose her. Number two, consider her friends and family. She surrounded herself with other people, in this case, Elizabeth. Later on, it would be Joseph, and only because the angel spoke to Joseph, and that's a different sermon and a beautiful story in itself. But consider her faith. When, when, when you get down to verse 45, Blessed is she that has believed, for there shall be a performance of these things which were told her from the Lord. Verse 46. Now for the first time, Mary opens up. And she doesn't just open up. She opens up for 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, verse 10 verses. She, she, she after she hears this from, from Elizabeth, after she finds out she's not alone, after she gets there and she receives this message, Mary writes and speaks, or she speaks, and we have written this, this beautiful, beautiful expression of praise. Consider her faith. My soul does matter. She does two things, two things, two things. I said two, three, and two. This is the last two. We're almost there. When you consider her faith, there's two things about Mary. Number one, her acceptance. Be it unto me as the Lord has said. No arguments, no discussion. The matter's settled. How's this going to happen? The angel tells her, and she says, okay. Does it make any sense to me? I don't know how that's possible. But with God, all things are possible. Amen? She just accepted it. But number two, that acceptance turns now to adoration. We sang the song this morning, Adore. My Chris Tom loved that song. Adore, come let us adore and worship Christ the Lord. Oh, come, let us adore him. And the old song, oh, come, let us adore him. Christ the Lord, adore him. Adoration. God, God alone is the recipient and should be the recipient of our highest praise and adoration. What does Mary say? How does she adore him? She says, my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. He has regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. Now, she's not bragging here. She, she understands. Again, she knows the story. She realizes what's happening. She's going to give birth to the Messiah. She doesn't know all that means and what it would mean for him to be the Messiah. And later on, she's going to come to understand that, that, this, that the Messiah would, in fact, be not just the, the, the political deliverer for Israel, but the spiritual deliverer, meaning that he would have to die for the sins of man. She's going to have to wrestle with that her whole life. She's going to have to go through this and carry this burden as it unfolds and she says that, that from this generation, from henceforth all generations will call me blessed. Beloved, when God does something great in your life and mine, there's, it's, not that he's gonna, it's not that the world's going to remember us. It's not, that's not the point. It's not that the world should remember us, but that the world should remember what God did through us. Amen? I, I didn't like at first the Casting Crown song. Legacy. I don't want to leave a legacy. I didn't like that song at first because I, I actually want to leave a legacy. You have to listen to the song. It's one of those songs that was, you know, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just fussy. I don't know. But I, I, I heard the song. I was like, I don't, I don't like that song. And I had to listen to it a couple times. So, okay, I know what they're trying to say. Beloved, it's, it's not that the world remembers us. But it's that the world remembers Christ in us. And so when Mary says here from henceforth, all nations and every generation will call me blessed. She's not blessed because she's just because she's Mary. She's blessed because she's Mary, the mother of the Messiah, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. She was chosen by God 
out of all the women in all of history to bring the Messiah into the world. And beloved, God wants to do something great in your life. And, and when he's done it, the world will remember. They'll know your name. But more than that, they'll know that it's God that lifted your name up because of what he did through you. Amen? You want to survive a miracle? Adoration. Acceptance and then adoration. Look at what she goes on to say. <laughs> Verse 49. For he that is mighty has done to me great things, and holy is his name. His mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He has showed strength with his arm. I love that. He, 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 he is mighty, and he's done to me great things. He has showed strength with his arm. There, there, are, there, there are men who... There are men who, who if they were to, like, take off their jacket and flex their muscles, you know, you, you, you think about these superstars, these wrestlers, these movie stars, we think about movies, we think about strength and bodybuilders. There, there, there are preachers, even, that if they were to take off their jacket and they were to flex their muscles, you'd go, ooh. See, if I did that, you'd go, aw. <laughs> but, but I don't need to flex and show you my strength and my arm. Hallelujah. <laughs> See, but when God flexes his muscles, the world goes, ooh, because he's powerful, and he's mighty, and he's great. And the Bible says, his strength is our strength. Hallelujah. So I don't have to flex for you. I can just say, God, show him. <laughs> Amen. He has showed strength. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He's put down the mighty from their seats, exalted them of low degree. He's filled the hungry with good things and the rich he's sent away. God took, God turning, he's turning the world upside down. He did it, started it 2,000 years ago. He was doing it before that. He did it then. He's still doing it today. He takes those up here. He puts them down here. He takes these down here. He puts them up here. He takes the poor man, makes him rich. The rich man makes him poor. He helps his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever, forever. The promises of God, beloved, beloved, the promises of God did not end 2,000 years ago. Amen? God is still moving, still working. He's working in my life. He's working in your life. He's working in the life of this church. He's working in the lives of other churches. I'm, I'm, my heart is full and heavy at this season because I know that while I'm, ex I'm here with you and I'm excited about what God is doing at this church right now during this time of transition, I know there are other churches right now that are in a time of transition, but they're also in a time of chaos. And it's because, it's because they've gotten away from the word of God. I, I've, I've preached this before and I'll preach it. I'll preach it till Jesus comes back. Amen? Till he calls me home or we all go home, either one. God isn't done with you. You know how I know he's not done with you? Here you is. When he's done with you, you will know. You know how you'll know? He will tell you face to face. Amen? When he is done with you, you will be looking at him. And until then, he is not finished. You have a work to do. You are not too young, not too old, not too feeble, not too anything. There is no excuse. I had a poster once, and I left it. I bought it, put it up in the youth room of one of my churches. And I don't remember all the things on there, but it was at one of those posters. And you've probably seen something like it. It talks about all the people God used in the Bible in spite of all their excuses. And talked about the Moses who couldn't speak and, and all these different things. And, 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 and he goes through this list and talked about all the people that God used. And at the very 
very bottom, the very last thing it said, and Lazarus was dead. What's your excuse? Because when God who can raise the dead, amen, and who has that power is still using you and, my, you and me and we're still here, then, then what's our excuse, amen? You want to know how to survive a miracle? All right, three things. I gave them to you. Consider her favor. Consider her friends and family. Consider her face. So I'm going to close with this. Number one, consider your favor. Remember who you are. Remember that God has chosen you. Number two, consider your friends and family. Surround yourself with people who believe in you. I still think one of the most tragic things in all of Scripture is that we're, we're not told anything about the responses of, of Mary's parents and what happened after this. We, we don't know what happened to them, and, and we don't know what happened to the rest of the people there. And, and, but we know about the people in her life that mattered because they supported and encouraged her. Consider your friends and family. Love your family. Love those in your life that may not know the Lord. Amen. You want to survive a miracle? You are going to be the witness that that person needs to see. Amen. So be that witness. And then finally, consider your own faith. And I would ask this question, have you accepted Christ as your personal Lord? Have you accepted the fact that he died for you? Do you know that he's found favor with you? That's why Christ died on the cross. And number two, are you adoring him? Is he the object of affection in your life above all else? Amen. So I think we have an opportunity here. Let me, let me, let me give you this quickly. I'm way past time, but I want to give you this quickly. That's what happens when your preacher's out for a week. He stores up two sermons worth of, amen, I'm sorry. Phone rang in my office this morning. I don't normally answer it. Phone rang in the church office. It rang in my office. In fact, it normally doesn't ring in the pastor's office. I don't know how it rang in my office, but it did. So I answered it, and there was a lady on the line. She said, um, and, and, "And I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how true. I don't know how things were. I, I, I've had people call before. Somebody. I met somebody from the church. They told me to call the church because we need help. Well, who'd you meet? Well, I don't know their name. Okay." Sometimes they call the church. They meant to call another church. Sometimes they're just calling churches and they're giving the amen. I don't, I don't know. But she called. She said she met a lady in Walmart, and, 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 and the lady told her to call the church and see if the church could help. I, I don't know. I, I won't know more till I talk to her tomorrow. I told her I would call her tomorrow. But I said, tell me your story. Well, she's paying the bills. She's keeping her mortgage payment. She's keeping the lights turned on. She has four children. She says, but, but I don't have Christmas for my kids. I said, well, who are they? How old are they? She's got two nine-year-olds, an 11-year-old, and a 12-year-old, three girls and a boy. And, uh, and I said, well, what's your name? What's your phone number? So I got the information. I talked to her. I said, I don't know what I can do, but let me see. I'll pray about it. You know, we'll see what we can do, and I'll call you tomorrow. And I say all that because of this. I don't, I don't think anything happens by accident. And, and I don't know what I can do. And I don't know, maybe you're here. Maybe you know who I'm talking Maybe you're, oh, I remember meeting a lady in Walmart. Or maybe you, you might have had that, told them to call the church, and you might have not even thought about it. It might be you, and you don't even realize it was you. I don't know. But, but here's, here's what I believe. And, and, and I was just sitting in my office this morning. I said, Lord, what, what am I going to do with this? I'm going to do like so many others, call them, tell them. Can't. And, and, and this is very different because as I'm sitting in my office this, this morning, the Lord said, I made the phone ring. I made you pick it up. There's an opportunity here. Amen? Now, I don't know what that opportunity is, but I'm going to open it up to you. If you're interested and you want to help me out and find out more about this lady and help this lady out, then this may be a, one last opportunity for us as a church before we go into the Christmas season. So you'll just see me after the service this morning. We'll talk about it and we'll see. But I feel fairly confident based on what the Spirit's telling me that tomorrow I'm going out and buying at least four gifts for four kids. <laughs> Amen? It's just, it's just one that, and, 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 and there was a time when I'd argue with him, God, 
I don't even have gifts for my family. You know, it's just, but in the, in the past few years, it actually bothers me when I go through the Christmas season and I don't have an opportunity to buy a gift or minister to somebody that I don't know or somebody outside my family. So the phone ringing this morning, I think, is just God's way of saying, I'm still here and you've still got a work to do. Amen? And maybe he wants you to partner with me in that. I don't know. You can see me after the service. But I guarantee you this, if your heart is open and if you're listening to the voice of God sometime in the next three days, if it's not this, and even after Christmas, and as we go into 2020, God has a work for you to do. There's a miracle he wants to do in your life. Amen? But you got to know him. you got to accept him and then adore him. And everything else will fall into place. Let's pray.